Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. John chapter 4, we're continuing our series on worship, created to worship. And, and today I want to I have a look at, at, at a story that really uh, is the lead into worship. It's not so much a message uh, that, that teaches us how to worship, though we'll talk about some of those things, but more one of the reasons we do worship. And, and that, that's because, of course, of the goodness of Jesus. And, and I want to have a look at this today in John chapter 4. It's a, a familiar passage. It's talking about the woman at the well. And in verse number 5, and there's so many verses, this story spans some 30 verses. So we're going to, and so we'll skim over it a little bit and then get straight into the body of this message. But it says this, So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sichar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. How many know it's good to sit thus by the well from time to time? It was about the sixth hour. It goes on to say, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Hallelujah. Thank God for living water. The Bible talks about a river of living water that flows from the throne of God and the Lamb. I don't know about you, but some people say the river, that was great in the 1990s. I believe the river is flowing today just as much. The Bible doesn't say there was a river. It says there is a river, present tense. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. I love this. This is where Jesus steps into the realm of the Spirit. I think he already did, but this is where we see him operating in the gift. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the bloke you're with now, Jesus didn't say bloke, I just changed it. And the one to whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And uh, heavy levels of perception were happening right here. And it goes on to say, verse 23, But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. We're going to talk about that in a little while. And it goes on to say, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Sounded like Yoda there for a minute, didn't it? (laughs) I, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled. Let's jump to verse 28. The woman left her water pot, went away into the city, said to the men, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came 
to him. Verse 39, and many Samaritans, many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. I want to break this message into three, into three spaces. I want to have a look firstly at the encounter. Then I want to have a look at the revival. Then I want to have a look at the response. The encounter, the revival, and the response. This woman came to Jesus. Now, I've been, I've been studying this out uh, just a little bit, and, and or actually quite a lot. And one thing that we always jump to the idea, and I'm not suggesting it's absolutely not the case, but it's important to look at both sides of the tension in Scripture. A lot of people just believe that this was a promiscuous woman who is in her fifth marriage. She's shacked up with a guy, and, uh, and, and that's the And that's the way it goes. Now, there's a few things you need to understand that in the old covenant, a woman had no power to divorce a man and live and remarry. It didn't happen. So there is a very, it is a far more likely scenario that this woman uh, wasn't necessarily a a victim of bad decisions, but maybe a victim of bad men. Uh, It's also a possibility that uh, the men in her life had died because divorce was not something you could just do and remarry in Bible times. Jewish law, now that she was from Samaria and so things might have been a bit different, but we always jump to the fact that she was promiscuous, but there's nothing in Scripture that actually tells us that. And and it also goes on to say the man who you're living with. Now, we, we read that language in a 21st century context. So if we live with someone, automatically it's a de facto relationship. We don't necessarily know that. So to say she was ungodly and to say that she was a, an illicit woman uh, is, is still just an assumption. I can see how we make that assumption, but let's just look at it through the lens of maybe, just maybe, even if she was a, a woman of, 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 who hadn't been godly or, or whatever it may be, she's still a woman that's acquainted with pain. She's still a woman that's faced incredible challenges. She's still a woman who's now not married. She's trying to do things by herself. Let me say this, she certainly wouldn't be living with a man and in a relationship with a man sexually or she would have been killed. So, so what, she's obviously living with someone who's taking care of her. But this woman, uh, she, she was at the end of her rope. She, she had nothing left. And one day she's going to the well to buy water, uh, to, 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 to find water. And what I find amazing about this, uh, about this uh, uh, story is she goes to the well but there's a well sitting by the well. And she goes to a well that's called Jacob's well, a well in Israel, but she met the well of Israel. She met the well that, that was there to bring a springing forth of, oh, Jesus, help me, a springing forth of life and hope into what seems impossible. Aren't you glad that when you were looking for water, you found living water? Aren't, aren't you glad when you came searching for something to get you through the day, he gave you something that'll get you through life? This was a dissatisfied woman whose satisfaction could only only be found in Jesus. God is most satisfied when our satisfaction is in Him. Let me say that again. God is most satisfied when our satisfaction is in Him. When we're satisfied by Him, sin loses its appeal. When we're satisfied by Him, we want to reach out and do what God's calling us to do. Church, I want to encourage you. Worship is about developing and, and honing our satisfaction for Him. 
Let me tell you, there's nothing more satisfying than being touched by the presence of God. There's nothing more satisfying than seeing a, someone who's lost be found and be filled with the Spirit. There's a, there's a satisfaction that comes from Jesus. And this woman who had five husbands, she's living with a guy. She's, she's faced challenge after challenge, probably been a victim of abuse, probably made mistakes. Who knows? Maybe she killed all of her five husbands. Donna's writing this down. Sounds like a good idea. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe, just maybe. She wasn't a terrible person. She was a hurting person. Maybe she was a naughty person. Can I say it? I, I like that Scripture's not totally clear because salvation's for every one of those people. The up and out, the down and out. But here we see, we see here, this woman has an encounter and there are a few things that I believe Jesus engineered in order to meet her and touch her. How many know that when we encounter God, sometimes we think we're reaching out to Him, but how many know He's already reached out to us? God's a sovereign God, and He knows where you're going to be. He knows what you're going to do, and He knows the right moment to impact your heart and impact your life in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? And so we have a look at this, and she goes to the well to make it through the day, and she meets Jesus. And number one, we see a few things here in terms of this encounter with God, and it's true to us today. Jesus was already there. Jesus was already there. This woman had an appointment and she didn't even know it. It's almost amazing that, that, that she and we today, it's almost like so, so many of the blessings of God we just stumble into. I don't know about you, but I find some blessings from God, they're, they're an accident. Some of the greatest blessings from God, I didn't even, couldn't believe they would have happened. Some people go, oh yeah, it's this key, it's that key, it's that, it's this. Sometimes it's just God is good, you know, and, and, and he blesses us even when we least expect it. And this woman, she, she finds Jesus at the well. He's already sitting there. He is living water. He's ready to go. And it's interesting to me that he wasn't just sitting there, but he was sitting there alone. Because what did the disciples do? The minute they come back, they're trying to work out, why is he talking to this, guy, this woman? Why, 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 why? He knew he needed that away from the equation because he needed to touch her. Sometimes we don't need to be touched by a pastor. We don't need to be, it doesn't need to be a leader. It doesn't need to be a well-meaning Christian. Can I tell you, God shows us right there that he's a direct God who doesn't need a middleman. The only middleman's the Holy Ghost and, and he leads us to Jesus. And once we've met him, it's boom, we're together. And can I tell you today, uh, God is so good that he sent his disciples off to get food. You go and get food, you hungry things. And I'm going to sit at this well because I have an appointment with a woman who needs Jesus. And and can I tell you, you might have shown up to church today and you think, oh, I'm just going to praise God till he shows up. No, he's already been sitting in the room waiting for you to come. He's already here and he wants to touch your heart and touch your life. I've always heard this term, man. Oh, let's have church and let's believe that God shows up. Can I say, let's flip it over. I pray that we have church and God's here and we show up. I want to, I want to show up to what God's doing here. Are you with me this morning? Oh, I know it's nine o'clock and my nose is a bit runny and I'm sniffing glory to God. I blame my two-year-old. He gives me all kinds of sicknesses and disease. I used to walk in health and wholeness till I had children. Now I get every single thing that comes to the childcare. All my word of faith theology has been totally obliterated by my son's sinuses. He was already there. That's good news, isn't it? You know, my prayer for this church is when you walk in here, that he's already here. I know that might seem like a might seem like a simple thought, but we don't need to stand here and go, oh God, have you seen people cry out to God to try and get him move, get him to move? It's awkward, you know? Oh God, we're chasing you. Well, I caught him. I don't have to chase him. 
I'm pursuing him. I don't need to pursue him. He's pursued us. And it's almost this, oh, we've got to run after. Uh, No, no, no. Do you know what? We can just be filled. The anointing's easy. You just walk into it. You know how I don't have to pursue God. I walk straight into his presence by praying in the spirit, worshiping Jesus. I don't have to, oh, God. It's almost like the prophets of Baal getting there and hacking themselves and crying out to some brass, unmute God. We don't, he's here. And I think if we get an understanding that we're not here to, oh, God, oh, we can just walk in and go, oh, Jesus. Your presence satisfies. There's living water. Living water doesn't sound too difficult to me. I mean, when you're thirsty, living water doesn't seem too hard. Oh, I need to drink this living water. No, you're just beautiful. (sighs) Jesus. He was already there. Number two, I love this. Number two, Jesus met her where she was at. As I said before, you had a well sitting on a well. He was there and met her where she was at. He didn't say, hey. I'm going to be speaking over here on Tuesday night. Come to me. He, he came to her. Can I tell you, as a church, I, if we're going to be a well in our city, a well of refreshing for Adelaide, we need to meet people where they're at. We, we need to be a church that's not so hard to connect with uh, that, that people walk in and, and it's impossible for them to gain traction because their worlds are so far apart. I love that Jesus knew how to connect with somebody he shouldn't have even been allowed to talk to. He broke rules to speak to her. He, bro- he broke protocol. He violated the social norms of the day. Can I tell you, as a church, my prayer is that we would be a house that connects, that, that when someone walks in, it doesn't mean that we have to be, we're in this world, but we shouldn't be of this world. We should be, the Bible says, come, You know what it says, and it's a powerful scripture. Come here, therefore, and be separate. And we need to be separate. That's holiness, and and we need to not be the world. But I can tell you, we shouldn't be so heavenly minded that we can't connect at an earthly level with people as a church. One of the reasons why why do we get things like lights and projectors and all of those things? There's a few reasons. Number one, I really like them, and they're fun, Uh, and they do lots of cool things. And when you're not here, we watch all kinds of movies on this during during the week. That's what you pay us to do. But at the end of the day, why do, we, why do we paint a building? Why do we try and make the thing look a bit fresh? Because it's been here for 30 years and we want to make it the most, the, the most attractive that it can be in this season. So when people go past, we're a church that looks like, hey, we're not just this building that hasn't changed for years and years and years. We're trying to, we're trying to let the community know, hey, when every other place is renovating themselves, when every other place is trying to make themselves look a bit fresh and maintained and people do up their homes, they renovate things. Why do we do that? It's our way of saying to the community, hey, we're not so disconnected. We actually want a, p- a place that can connect with every, everyday people. But why? Why do we? Why when we preach? Why do we go for souls? Why do we say, hey, there may be people away from God? Why do we do those things? Because maybe there's someone here and they've come to church and I, I want to reach them where they're at, you know? And as a church, we want to be a church that reaches people where they're at. But what I love this, I love this whole idea of, <coughs> excuse me, of a well next to a well for the first time in her life this woman had an alternative she actually had a choice you know so often we're in these uh, lifestyles especially lost people we're in a lifestyle where we don't see a way of breaking out but Jesus always gives us an alternative he always gives us an off-ramp from dysfunction he always gives us an off-ramp from that which is impossible and like he did right here he said hey there's water here 
or you can drink this water. And it wasn't that he didn't want her to drink natural water, but he was letting her know that there was more to life than maybe she expected. He's not just life, he's life and life more abundant. He's, he's a supernatural God of heaven. And you know today, here at our nine o'clock service, I just want to encourage some people who may feel like life seems impossible. You might feel like you're living in sickness. Can I say there's an alternative called healing? Maybe you feel like you're living in financial challenge. Can I say there's an alternative? It's called the provision of God. Maybe you're depressed, but the Bible talks about an oil of joy for mourning. Maybe, maybe you're living in pain and disappointment and regret. The Bible tells us that we're not, we're not the same person. We're a new creation. There's, a, there's an alternative and it's a divine exchange. He says, when you get saved, he'll take out your stony heart and he'll put in a heart of flesh. Oh, oh, I'm excited about this. I've come today to tell you that God is good and maybe you're facing challenges. Can I tell you, shift your dish to the all things are possible network and say, God, I want everything you've got. Come on, if you believe it at nine o'clock, give God a shout of praise for just... Oh, I thank God for an alternative. Here's the divine alternative. Number three, this is going to take a minute to unpackage, but we'll work it together. But number three, part of an encounter with God, number three, Jesus gave her an unfolding revelation of himself. An encounter with God, or even worship, is an unfolding revelation of Jesus. Let me show you how this works when we, when we get into this, into this passage. The Bible says in verse 7, they're there, of course, and, and, and they're sort of, she's doing her thing, he's doing his thing, and he stops and says, can you give me a drink? The disciples were gone. So that's the first kind of picture. He's just starting to test the waters there and just connect with her a little bit. Then it goes on to say, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. So he's connecting. And then now he's starting to talk about the unlimited, well, bless God, that was the devil, uh, the unlimited resource of the kingdom of God. Let, let's, go, let's go a little bit deeper for just a minute because in verse 16, he steps into the word of knowledge, which he'd already been into. Jesus already knew, but he picked his moment, walked in wisdom. I, I, it's interesting, he his first words were, why are you living with that bloke? He met her where she was at. He, there was an unfolding revelation of himself. Sometimes when there's a new Christian, can I tell you, we have the fire hose of the Spirit of God. Sometimes they just need the Jew. They're little flowers. We can blast them and go, oh, well, they weren't receptive. No, maybe we needed to do what Jesus did and just dial it back a little bit. Hey, I'm all for the move of God. I want the power of the Holy Ghost in our church. I want the anointing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying what I'm not saying. But sometimes when it comes to ministering to somebody, you're going to hell, you filthy sinner. Maybe just start with, how's it going? I just, I've always waited till about two minutes in before I do that. He says in verse 16, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. You know what I loved about his prophetic ministry here? He was humble. He didn't go, you're living in sin. He just asked a question, just to open that door. Some, you know, word of knowledge. Can I say, you'd be so much smarter, some people, with the word of knowledge. Just test the waters. It's not a lack of faith to be humble. I don't get up and say, thus saith the Lord. I say, you know, I just feel like God might be saying, you know what? It gives you an off-ramp. If you're wrong, you don't get stoned. And it's way better that way. But I love this. Jesus in his humility, he says to her, go call your husband. She said, I don't have one. He says, yeah, you're right. You had five. But the one whom you're with now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. And then it goes on to say this. The woman said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. 
The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming who's called the Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. It was an unfolding. He just unfolding revelation of Jesus. It was like he unfolded the unsearchable riches of Christ. The Bible talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. The more time you spend with Him, the more you know Him. Paul writes, what does he say in Ephesians 3.8? To me, who am less than the least of all of the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I don't know about you, but do you ever find when you start studying something in Scripture, the more you study, the more you go, I just don't even know what this is. Like, this is the, the more you think you know, the more you realize how little you know. And I, I find some of the smartest minds in Scripture know that they really don't know anything. They're just like, because the more you dig, the more you realize this is an eternal God who is infinite in His ways. Like, how does my brain, my, my human, I'm not trying to be mean, but my little pea brain, how, do I, how does this pea brain comprehend uh, the God who flew stars into the sky and universes that keep sparking universes and, and all of these supernaturally powerful things that God set in motion mostly by His Word. It's unbelievable. How do we, how do we just, if we think we've got God figured out, we're, 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 I think we make a big joke of ourselves and a big joke of the magnitude of God. I do not have God figured out. I, when people talk about how God's eternal, I can comprehend that He's always been. And I can say by theory, I understand that he always was. But when you think about that, your mind, some of us go, oh yeah, well, that's actually right. But I know, but when you think about that, how? (laughs) But he never started, he just always was. It's not like on Tuesday, 72 gazillion BC, guys are, hey guys. (laughs) Well, there's no guy, guys, uh, makes him. He didn't. He always was. I love that about God, but it's, my brain can't really cope with that. Because I know on the 17th of June, 1981, here I was. <laughs> hey, well, my name's Dave, and I'm here uh, to, to torment my mother for the next few years and, and then torment the church. Now, <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make is how do we, they're unsearchable. And God knew he needed to just, in bite-sized pieces, just reveal himself. But he went through, he didn't just, sometimes we, we, we keep um, such a simple, safe message of Jesus that we never go beyond, hey, can you give me a drink? There's this thing called living water. In that moment, he still took the opportunity to close the deal. He still went in there, but he went in there with wisdom. And I pray, I, I want the prophetic, I want the anointing, I want the power of God, I want the living water, I want all of those things, I want the gifts of the Spirit, but I think we should do them in such a way that draws people in, rather than if his first words were, you're living with a bloke. I don't know if she would have got saved. But instead she gets saved. So we talk about the encounter, but then we talk about the revival. She goes to Samaria and the Bible says, uh, she, she, she runs back there. And the Bible says in verse number 39, uh, and many of the Samarians of that city believed him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. And when the Samarians came to him, they urged him to stay with him. He stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. You could talk, I, I forgot to tell you the title of my message. It's revival at the well. There was a revival at that well that touched the city of Samaria, that brought people to Christ. When, 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 in, a, in a world where women shouldn't, shouldn't speak, especially Samaritan women, shouldn't be a voice, they shouldn't usurp authority over men. Who ushers in the revival? I love that Jesus broke every religious wall and rule. And he says, he touches her life and she walks in. I met a guy who knows everything about me. Can you imagine how she told him? You know, I was just talking to him at the well and he's like, can you get me a drink? I'm thinking that's strange, so I get him a drink. 
he says, I got her a drink. And, and uh, uh, he gave him a drink. And then he starts telling me all this. How did he know? I never told him about Marty. I never told him. I never told him about anything. And he knew everything. But then as he began to talk, I couldn't help it. I was like, this guy's legit. And suddenly, boom, I got born again. I'm so, you've got to meet this guy. He heals people. He raises people from the dead. I think this might be the Messiah. And the words out of her mouth touched the, the region of Samaria. And there was a mighty revival. That's how it happens. That's what we've got to believe God for here, for people to find Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. There's a revival. And then we see a response. And I want to talk into that for just a few minutes and I'm done. We actually backtrack Jesus prophesies before, before she has the full revelation of who he is in verse 23. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Somebody say spirit and truth. And the Bible says, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's talk about that for a minute. Worship in truth. We do that every week. And we're going to do that in a minute. When we started singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, I love, I love, I love songs that, 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 that are God-centered. You know, we've we, we got, we got great worship here and we're not all that fussed to sing songs about us all the time. Too many songs are about how hopeless we are and how we need to go and see a shrink and, and, and get our head read. This is not shrink material on Sunday. I'm not here to psychoanalyze people's issues. We just want to get the power of God into the impossible situation. And, and so uh, we're, we're looking at this song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. What are we doing? We're worshiping in truth. We're declaring the truth of Jesus. And as we worship, we magnify Him. We talk to Him. We sing to Him. I love you, Lord. I lift my voice. I magnify you. You are worthy. You are supernatural. You are God. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are supernatural. Can I tell you, sometimes, isn't it interesting? We, we, we sing songs often about God. Sometimes we've got to sing songs to God. Jesus, you are magnificent. You are wonderful. You are perfect. You are supernatural. But some songs are a declaration. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory. Waymaker, miracle worker. I would say the rest of it, but I don't know the words yet. But can I tell you, today, we're going to worship God in just a moment. And we're going to worship in truth. But then Jesus talks about worship in the Spirit. What's that all about? Some of you might be sitting here going, we used to do that once upon a time. I remember back in the day, we would sing a song and then we'd just start singing our own thing. It was awkward because some people really didn't know what they were doing in that portion of the service. But there was this moment that we would call, we used to call it singing in the spirit, then it became free worship, then we just stopped doing it. But it was a moment where we'd worship God and the worship leader wasn't really telling us what to sing. Back in those days, it wasn't a worship leader. It was just some poor pastor that got rostered on the lead. Generally, he couldn't even sing. He turned my morning into dancing. Those were the days. But the reason I'm telling you all of this, I, I, I feel like we've lost something that we've got to get back. There's a sound of worship that's been lost in the church. I see today, even as we're worshiping God, there was a moment we started singing in the Spirit, and everyone's like, that's where we actually lift our voices. What are we, what's singing in the Spirit? We sing in tongues. We sing in other tongues. We sing in the Holy Ghost. We worship in the Spirit of God. 
And it's beautiful because it's your spirit magnifying God. What did Paul write? He said in Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine. We're in his excess, Ephesians 5. But be filled with the Spirit, singing to one another psalms and hymns. Well, we did that. Psalms, songs about God. Hymns, songs to God. And spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. That sounds to me like Pentecostal spiritual worship. And some of the old melodies, I mean, we, how many remember the good old days? We'd sing a song and they'd be like, oh, we worship you, Lord. We give you the glory, Lord. Now, the melodies were not that cool, but they touched something. Yeah. I remember being in a meeting and one of the preachers, I won't say their name, but they were a great man of God, still are. And he gets up at the end of a service and, and I happen to be sitting next to the senior pastor of the church while this guy's preaching. And then he just stops. He says, let's just sing in the spirit. And he's like, yeah, da, da, ma, 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 die. And he just starts worshiping the Lord. And the pastor next to me goes, well, I don't like this at all. I said, why not? He goes, oh, because it's awkward for the visitors. Yeah, I, I hope we make it awkward for visitors from time to time because we want to touch something of the depth of God. And you know, the best movies and the best TV shows are the ones that don't dumb it down for the audience, but in some ways they keep it up here so the audience has to lean in and figure out what's going on, stretches their thinking, stretches their ability to comprehend stuff. Now, I'm not saying I want to make it weird. I've just spent all this time saying we've got to make Jesus relatable. But as we ease in with our worship, there should come a moment from time to time where as a church we know what it means to sing in the spirit can I say I sing in the spirit when I'm driving my car my dad's getting old and he's getting grumpy now and he's also preaching here tonight at six o'clock and uh he's he's not that grumpy but when I was a kid he'd drive the car and this would be no matter who was in the car He'd drive the car and it'd be, he'd sing something. My dad's favorite song was the Battle Hymn of the Republic. So he'd be worshiping, look, glory, glory, hallelujah. Then it'd be, he brought me out of the miry clay. And, and he, I remember, even when I was going to King's Baptist Grammar School, we lived in Modbury North, just across, uh, just off Armstrong Crescent. And we'd pick up a few people and drive them to school. And dad would just, he drift off. And he just sort of starts singing to himself. And I never used to think anything of that part, whereas other people found that amusing. It was what, ne- what would come next that would stress me out. And it was the fact that he's not going to sing this song in English much longer. He's going to break out into the language of heaven. There's dad driving the car. And then I'd try and copy his tongues and he'd tell me, it's blasphemy of the spirit. You do that, you'll go to hell. So I'd stop. But can I tell you, I find I'd drive the car myself. I don't do it in front of people. It's awkward. My son rebukes me when I do it. <laughs> Dad, Dad, stop that. I'm like, you Baptist. Uh, <laughs> worship. Maybe the band can come. Why don't we just worship for a minute? We're going to worship in the Spirit. We're just going to touch God and let His presence just flow like a river in the house. I know it's awkward. I know. Can I say... I? I feel like we violate every principle of church growth in this church, but so far it's working. So we're just going to keep doing that for a bit because I want our church to know how to touch God. You might not pray in tongues. It might be something you've never done. It might be something you don't, you're not that keen to do. And, and that's fine, but I'll, I still would encourage you to go after that because it's a powerful gift. But at the end of the day, it's simply more about us knowing just how to worship God in our own, out of our own spirit, out of our own revelation of who He is, out of, out of, our own, out of the touch of God in our own life. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth and you know for a moment i would love us to stand we're just gonna sing this song we'll sing Waymaker. can we do that one that's that song's got some it's got some zing on it a bit of zing zing holy ghost zing i don't even know what that is but we're gonna go after it in jesus name it's a new thing are you happy today
Church, can I say, we, we, I'm proudly Spirit-filled. I, I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the baptism in the Holy Ghost and, and praying in the language of heaven and letting His glory come into the atmosphere. And, you know, across this place, how do we worship? We, uh, I'm going to... I taught on a Ridgehaven maybe a year and a half ago, and I, I do plan to mention it again in our series, but why do we lift our hands? Maybe you come, you've come here today. Why do we do that? Why do we lift our hands? Because the Bible says it's God who trains our hands for war and our fingers for battle. There's stuff that happens in the heavenlies. Some people go, oh, when we worship, it's because we surrender. Now, surrender's a part of it, but it's more than that for me. For me, it's touching God. It's dominion in an atmosphere. I'm lifting my hands over my family. I'm lifting my hands over my house, over my finances, over the well-being of my own marriage and, and all of those things. As we worship, we're, we're lifting our hands and taking dominion over the atmosphere and believing God to do something. And You might be shy, but I remember, I'll never forget it. Ash Hamilton said at a youth meeting 10 years ago, she said, well, you, you've tried drugs, you've tried everything else, you might as well try lifting your hands. And I remember it was such a simple thing. I think, man, we do try everything else. Try that. Because sometimes we're like, if you're comfortable and blah, blah, blah. Can I say, in heaven, you're going to be throwing things at the throne of God. You might as well get some practice, work on your swing. And, and get believing God because you're going to lay crowns at the feet of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, just before, before we sing, let's give Jesus a shout of praise in here for just... Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Waymaker. Lord, we worship your name in this house. You are mighty God. Church, can I encourage you to lift your voices and just, even if you don't know what to say, tell him he's wonderful. Thank him for saving you. Thank him for washing you in his precious blood. Jesus, we praise your name. Lord, we worship. You are mighty God. You are mighty. You are mighty, Jesus. We worship and we praise you, Jesus. Words cannot express just how good you are, oh Lord. You are wonderful. You are mighty, mighty, mighty God. Let's keep singing. Come on, just worship him. Come on, church, just enter in all across the house. Hey. Let's pull it right back. Let's pull it back. Just a church. Just a church. And just keys. Church, just worship Jesus.
Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au. 